departmental plans came in for a bit of stick in Tynwald last week, but are they the meaningless drivel that John Remington once famously described his department's plan as about 20 years ago? The Department of Education was one of the plans criticised in Tynwald, so we find out shortly what Minister Edge made of the criticism. We also hear about a rather disturbing case of someone with deep pockets using the legal system to financially ruin one of Stu Peter's constituents. But first, Speaker Watterson, who was far from impressed with the education and Manx care plans. You certainly pulled no punches when it came to the Department of Education's plan and indeed the Manx care uh, annual report. What were your concerns? Well, I think from the island plan down, I'm concerned that government seems to uh, fail to put good plans together. It, it doesn't have objectives that are specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, time-bound. It uses KPIs that are not necessarily directly linked back to the objective that's stated. Um, and they use the writing of plans and strategies as a sort of way, as a proxy for achievement. But of course, that means nothing to the, the, the man in the street. So I think that there is a, an improvement generally needed in these plans in terms of what departments are actually going to deliver in real terms, uh, rather than just creating paper, which seems to be what's done at the moment. So hence my comment that if you want to put something off for a year, you write a plan. If you want to put it off for the whole administration, write a strategy. One of the best lines I heard in, in, in the whole of the Tinwald sitting. Um, loads of people, uh, officers working for the departments, spend an awful lot of their time um, responding to these uh, re- exacting requirements. You know, there, the, the, there is a claim that Tinwald asked for these reports. I'm not sure how much of the uh, the detail that is coming forward was specifically asked for by Tinwald, but do, do you not see that, to a certain extent, this is a, a you know it's a Tinwald request, and all the departments are doing are delivering what Tinwald asked for? Well, worse than that, I think these are. Um, strategic priorities set by the government itself that the government departments then don't seem to be able to evidence actual real change real delivery on the ground so when they're not evidencing that instead of saying I'm sorry we haven't done it and saying well we'll, we'll produce a report or, or a plan to say how we're going to get there or, or instead of uh, delivering on the actual objective that they've been set they say well no but we've superseded that with a different objective it, it's just not demonstrating the delivery of what government itself has set out to achieve. So uh, I think to blame Tyndall for that uh, would be misdirected energy. And surely, to goodness, ministers wouldn't do things like that. Well, all I can say is that the evidence seems otherwise. And we, we've seen a, a few department plans come forward, um, and each one of them has fallen for the same old um, uh, problems in terms of, as I say, KPIs that that don't really match back to what they're trying to achieve, um, objectives that aren't really measurable, woolly sort of outcomes, uh, and it's been from the island plan down. So this is something the government really needs to get its act together because until it sort of sets itself some slightly uh, uh, tighter framework to, to operate within, it's not going to deliver the energy, uh, the ambition, and it's not going to uh, deliver what government itself has set out to achieve. And how does this actually? Uh, impact, for example, on uh, Manx Care. Uh, clearly, Manx Care is still, to a certain extent, in its infancy. Um, how, how does getting the report writing 
right uh, improve the way in, Man- in which Manx Care can hopefully, anyway, deliver better services, health services for the Manx public. It's drawing that straight line from the objective that's been set, the political objective that's been set around specific target and getting that evidenced in data at the end of the day. Drawing a very straight line between one and the other showed that we were looking to reduce A&E waiting time. So however that's gone about, you reduce it from whatever it is to whatever you want it to be. And we're just not seeing that. If anything, in that particular example, it went up. And yet um, the department said that it was doing okay. It got an amber rating rather than a red rating. So we it's that, that clarity of uh, direction, that clarity of purpose that, in fairness, in many areas government has provided that's not been delivered on the ground. And in other cases, there are a bit of that fudge where government hasn't quite worked out what it wants. Are you confident that the new relationship with the department doing the regulation and the policy and Manx Care doing the delivery is actually going to provide the, the promised uh, improvements in, in Manx healthcare delivery that uh, were initially envisaged? No. Uh, what I said about that is that there's no evidence of success and I think that's where I leave it. Uh, there were several areas at the end there where I said at the moment if this is happening i'm just not seeing it so no i don't have uh, a particular faith at the moment that that is happening there's just not enough evidence of success that was speaker of the house of keys Dewan watterson education minister julie edge was a little stung by the criticism but had she been as positive as she could have been in the debate one of the the kind of mild criticisms was that you didn't perhaps uh, make as much of the positive uh, that you should have in relation to sorting out uh, or getting a resolution at least to the industrial relation problem that you've got. Uh, um, Chris Thomas mentioned uh, you know you're you're rebuilding trust and confidence in the department. Uh, These are things that perhaps uh, you should have been uh, crowing about. Um, yes, certainly, but I think we've just got to move forward and focus on, on what what else needs to be done. There are major challenges in the department, but yes, I am pleased and I'm pleased for all of our students and parents that we have got stability back in our schools and our teachers are back. There's full working time agreements in place now and that's a significant change, um, but um, I'm, I'm pleased that we've been able to um, bridge all the problems um, that were, were, were there and um, we've come through them and as I said on the floor today there is still one action by one union um, still in place and that's that um, their, st- their, their staff that are in that union will only do one lunchtime duty per week um, but we've managed, we're managing that um, so certainly clubs are back on for our students they're getting that extracurricular and a full education experience which i'm really pleased for our students and um, it helps families uh, plan better as well so um and you know it, it is a massive change because it's the dispute's been going on for years eight, eight years long before i was in the department so to actually re- resolve it and um, ensure that we've got good paying conditions for our staff was important to me and we've succeeded in that michelle hayward did lay into you a little bit certainly laid into the department in relation to GCSE results um, uh, which she described as the worst for a decade Um, the Covid generation being let down by the department um, important uh, to offer 
uh, a good system if we want to attract people over to the island and the results certainly don't appear to show that uh, and she went on to say that the best she could expect from the department is that you might aim to 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 be average how do you respond to to those uh, charges certainly not not the vision of 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 myself or the department our vision is to make sure everybody gets an excellent opportunity throughout their education and they get the best outcomes and progress throughout that education um, certainly some members don't understand our examination system and um, it's quite clear when comments like that are made on the floor they've not understood where the data comes from it's purely our secondary schools data whereas the UK who they like to compare us with um, the other island um, is all students sit in GCSE examinations. We have good relationships with with the universities, and as I said in the debate today, I wasn't, I'm not aware of any students that didn't go to the destination of choice from a university point of view with their examination results. Um, yes, we have had COVID. Yes, we've had um, action, short of strike action in our schools, and um, there was an expectation across all jurisdictions this year when we went back to that full examination um, settings and conditions that results um, would be different and and we've certainly seen that but is there room for improvement there's always room for improvement in education however every cohort is different every every group of students going through is different and we just need to be able to maximize and give them the best opportunity and that's through excellent leadership excellent teaching in our schools and um, introducing the quality assurance framework and external validation is a step forward in, in that direction to make sure that we are monitoring our schools um, well which hasn't happened for a, a number of years so hopefully we're, we're now on that road to full recovery in education to an ex- excellent education system that we can be proud of again and um, certainly it our education system on the island, I, I believe, stands well up against any any others for for the budget that we receive, and you know there's challenges around that, and um, certainly from from the point of view of any additional budget um, around catch up, as I explained in the debate today, we are focusing on giving every child the best outcome when they're in our school and they're getting the support. So we've put additional support into our schools. Um, whether that's to help people with literacy or numeracy, um, that support has been focused into our schools direct rather than doing catch-up sessions for, 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 for a few. We're focusing on all of our students and making sure that that opportunity is there in school, in the classrooms. So you don't feel then that you've let down uh, this uh, COVID generation as uh, Michelle Haywood was suggesting? No, I, I think actually... Uh, all, all students during COVID have, have had um, a difficult time, whether that's with education or, or throughout society and life. We've all, everybody's had different experiences. Um, certainly within our schools, we've done our best to get everything back to normal, but then we did have the challenges um, around the action short of strike action. And my key aim was to get stability back in our schools and, and make them places that are safe, secure, 
um, well-funded, well, well um, you know, which, which can be a challenge and that the curriculum is the right design to deliver outcomes for, for individuals. And um, certainly I talked about the path pathways and um, the f skills framework. Um, that's there published now on our website and that shows you that you don't have to go to university to be able to get a degree. There are other pathways and op options and opportunity um, for all of our students. And um, it, destinations data shows that an awful lot of our students leaving school at A-level are staying on Ireland and um, going into the workplace. Um, so I think there's a lot of changes since COVID and people are making different decisions um, and uh, investment is key in education for the future for the island. And of course, uh, what we absolutely need, uh, certainly what your government is, is telling us that, uh, that we need is more people actually on the island uh, to, to be able to, to fill the, the, the various uh, skill shortages that exist a, a across the island at the moment. So presumably uh, it's, it's quite a good thing that uh, if students choose to stay on the island and perhaps train with, with companies. Yeah, and you know, I've always believed in um, training on the job. Uh, if you can get an opportunity in a company and they're prepared to invest in you, you'll be a good employee for them because you've put some investment into them and I think that's key and the skills board is certainly focusing on that with um, obviously we've got industry involved and and data around that um, and certainly apprenticeships you know ensuring that if, if a student would like to do an apprenticeship that opportunity is there but the current system you do have to have an employer to sponsor you through through your place and I know there was comment with regards to apprenticeship pay well there's an expectation that that pay should be made up by the person employing you because they are get, getting the services of, of you in their workplace and you'll be that future success of their of their business as well but um, I, I feel that we've got great opportunity on the island and um, whilst we've got skills shortages we could be um, reskilling people changing changing focus you know if you've got a degree we are, we are doing a program in education that if you've got a degree in a subject that could be transferred into becoming a teacher we're doing that already we've got five people um doing got went through the training last year we've got another five or six possibly this year doing that so that they can become teachers um on ireland with a qualification through um one of the universities so we're doing everything we can to to attract people to stay on the island or, or change skills and upskill but the more people that come to the island gives us challenges within our school space as well so um development and making sure we take that strategic approach to all of our school estate um, is the right thing to do as well. One of the reasons perhaps that uh, Michelle Haywood and indeed the other three Southern members are keen to keep you on your toes is the fact that we still await a new uh, Castle Russian High School or a replacement for the existing building which um, large parts of which date back to the Second World War. Um, you, you had some um, positive words uh, about that in, in, in what you said in the debate but there was nothing in the actual report uh, itself in the department plan. So obviously it's a capital scheme. Yes, we require a school, but it's across government. Um, it's an island plan commitment, actually, the Castle Russian High School, um, with, with regards to it not being directly in our plan. Um, certainly capital 
project, you know, capital works around our schools uh, is in the plan. Um, we've recently had acknowledgement that we've got the funding to go to um, Design Stage D1. You'll know, Phil, from your experience in here, sometimes when you're doing a report, it's prepared two or three months earlier. So you ha if you haven't got that latest up-to-date information, that's why I made sure it was in my speech today, that it was covered off there. Um, certainly, Castle Russian High School has been talked about a long, long years, uh, long before I got here, but now we can see a full site plan of what's possible on that site and we had to make sure the secondary school was in the right place to maximise that site for the future opportunities in the south. And other points that were made, uh, and I think uh, the speaker, Mr Watterson, uh, led this particular charge were uh, in relation to the report itself, um, I think uh, quoting some of what uh, the speaker said, a lot of the report seemed meaningless, there were non-smart objectives, that uh, Tinwald needed to be informed when the department is, is moving goalposts, I think was, was a direct quote from him. Is it fair to say that if you aren't um, a politician or indeed an officer in the department it's really quite difficult to follow from the plan what exactly is going on yeah so obviously all the tasks that we've set out or we, we did the previous year and I, certainly I did print out for all honourable members the tasks that were completed last year and my honourable colleague in council Mr Crane who's a department member did highlight that there are measurable targets there. The difference with the annual plans and department plans that come forward to Timwald, Timwald requested that annual department plans came to Timwald. Um, they are only received, they're not actually approved, they're just received and and um, that's the process that was agreed by Timwald. So we're adhering to that. Um, could it could it be improved? I'm sure any anything that's delivered can always be improved. Um, but we do have to. We've got a department strategic plan, but annually we're having to pull out from that and deliver a, a departmental plan for Timwald um, through, through that annual process. Um, and then of course we've got the island plan as well so so our, our strategic plan island plan really are the key documents for the department but then we're going down to this more operational level it's an operational plan really this is what will be delivered this year and it's got target dates and there has been some slippage um, but we won't be the only department to have slippage um, due to all the challenges that come along that are unexpected and that's the education environment and we have to react to that to to keep education um safe, secure for our students and uh, deliver excellent education, which I, I believe the staff work really hard to do that. And um, I've always invited all honourable members, if they can criticise the department, please come down and we'll show you exactly what's happening. Um, not many members take me up on that. <laughs> that was Education Minister Julie Edge, MHK. Stu Peters, MHK, brought the petition of Mark Cleeter to Tenwald for consideration and succeeded at least in getting the matter of vexatious litigation sent to the Tinwald Justice Committee for further consideration. You successfully managed to move a, a motion relating to the petition of Mark 
Cleta. Can you tell us a little bit about why you were motivated to pick the petition up and then to move it? Sure. Uh, Mark Cleeter is a constituent of mine and obviously I look at any th- constituent issues uh, with a view to helping if I can. Uh, and also I've known Mark for a number of years and I know he's a, a really decent guy. So um, when I was first elected, he made me aware of, of the problems that he'd been having with the, the legal system. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the whole thing is, how can you put it, certainly very unfortunate but he's been left trying to protect his own property against somebody who uh, has come at him uh, using adverse possession laws. Um, and, uh, you know, he's ended up with huge legal bills that, that an ordinary working person can't possibly afford to pay and is no better off. In fact, he's worse off He's worse off because his house and, and the land that was in dispute have both been arrested by the person who, who's beaten him in court. And that is quite shocking for for many people to hear that effectively a case can be brought against you as a a landowner you you own a particular piece of land or a house or whatever it may be and someone can just put in a claim against that and in fighting to get your property back uh, you can you can lose the lot. Well, that's the worry, Phil, because I mean, I've not been to your farm, but say I decided that I was going to pinch one of your fields. I could come down and say, you know, I, I know that you've not used that field for, for 21 years or whatever, and, uh, and, and I believe that I've got a right to use it because I walked my dog on it once. And, uh, you know, a, any normal person would say, oh, behave yourself. That's, you know, completely irrational. That, that could never happen. But it does happen. If you've got bottomless pockets to pay lawyers and to, to weaponize the legal system, you can do these things, and, and that is what I'm trying to address. And this isn't the answer. It, it's maybe a tool in the arsenal for the legal system and the courts to be able to use. Uh, but we all have this, and I have to admit, it is a naive hope that the courts look at a situation between two people who've fallen out about something uh, and they come up with the, the moral answer to it, the moral solution to it. But we've got to remember that the law is the law and they're there to, you know, to, to apply and interpret the law. And, and so, you know, moral judgments are, are pretty worthless in those circumstances. And there are certain people in the Isle of Man who are very, very good at using the law to, to their benefit. So in, in relation to the specifics then, because uh, of course your motion was to adopt uh, a certain bit of legislation, whereas uh, um, it was amended by the Minister for Home Affairs uh, so that a committee that you also sit on uh, has to uh, now consider uh, and then report back, I, I presume. Yeah, Mark Cleeter's uh, petition was that we improve the situation to to help protect people who are in the situation that he's in. Uh, and that was what I picked up and that's what I proposed today, effectively, that we, we come up with some system to improve things and maybe introduce vexatious litigation uh, legislation. Um, there's also a Contempt of Court Act that I think is being worked on by the AG's office at the moment. There are the rules of the court in the UK that we can draw from so you know there are, there are various mechanisms I'm not a lawyer I'm not a legal expert so how best to do it is kind of beyond me but that's what the committee is now being asked to to look into so I'm looking forward to that very much 
and as for for Mark Cleeter himself, effectively, um, this this will come as 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 little uh, real comfort because he's still left in the position that he was he was brought into by the uh, legislation being in in the condition that it currently is. That's the problem. None of this, and, and I think that Mark Cleeter is very brave, and and that's been registered in Timwell previously because this whole thing about adverse possession was looked at by the Constitutional Legal Affairs and Justice Committee in the last administration, and his evidence in that was welcomed by Timwell and debated afterwards, and a, a, a large number of members, I think, uh, were, were very empathetic towards this situation. But unfortunately, there's nothing that we can do about it. The law's the law. Uh, the, the Deemsters have made the decisions and, and we kind of, you know, th- that's where we are. And there's rule one of, of being a politician is that you don't try and, and, you know, get in the way of the legal process. That was Stu Peters, MHK, telling the rather disturbing tale of how his constituent has had his property arrested by the courts due to him trying to defend his rights over his own property in the courts. It's quite shocking to hear how this can happen. And what about the departmental plans? Are they as bad as Dewan Watterson makes out? Do they justify the huge amount of officer time spent preparing and reviewing them? <laughs>